Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast or Ship Chasing. We're doing a, a feed swap as we will uh, probably do a lot this offseason since specifically Pat and I are like big sicko DGENs and are, are already thinking about um, fantasy football strategies for next year and about uh, rookies and everything. And the Pete, you know, I don't want to leave you out in the cold either. You're a grinder, bud. You're at least an honorary grinder at the very I, least. I let you guys throw on the hard hats, you know, really chip away. And then I just come in there <laughs> kind of with a battering ram and knock down the door after you guys have done all the hard work. He wrote a newsletter every day this season. I would say he's definitely a grinder. Yeah, don't no, let no, this go. With, you mean with the prospect stuff, which I definitely, uh, I thought that's yeah. what you <laughs> I mean, pr- prospecting and, you know, just getting the getting the nails dirty in the best ball lobbies early and oh. everything like that. Oh, trust me. I, I'm going to be getting my nails dirty in there. We're going to have like a randomizer show like the first week after the Super Bowl, bud. We, we will yeah. be in those you love You love to see it. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to. OK, there's always this sort of phenomenon where when we start to talk about the next season of fantasy football, if you if you're doing that in June or July or even even April, you kind of forget the day to day of what it was like to be making transactions, making start sits, you know, thinking about about streaming and everything. And so just just to kind of um, fossilize this, maybe to even go back and listen to this when, uh, you know, underdog launches their best ball stuff, when we start doing football guys teams to just kind of think about what just transpired and how that's going to affect drafts in 2021, thinking about some strategy stuff, thinking about, uh, you know, young wide receiver stuff, you know, rookie wide receiver stuff specifically. But also, Pat, I just, I just want to start here. 2020 was clearly the year of the zero running back, right? There, there cannot be any debate on this. James Robinson, we had massive flops by Joe Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, semi-flop, Miles Sanders, I, I think you could deem a flop, Christian McCaffrey, injured we had guys like Naheem Hines and Chase Edmonds finish as top 24 running backs do you think that this was an anomaly for COVID no training camp so on and so forth or do you think that this should pretty heavily continue to inform our strategy moving forward I think the biggest thing about this year was that the ADP set up perfectly for zero running back in Mm -hmm. a year where we knew there was going to be a ton of chaos and then we did not get an outlier year of, of health and production from shaky running back selections the way we did in 2019. So No, they all went the other way. They they all unilaterally failed. I guess the one you guys could argue with was, was David Montgomery, I guess, from the running back dead zone, but he was dead by the time you made the playoffs. You could also say Jonathan Taylor, uh, mm-hmm. if you had the patience, you were rewarded down the stretch with him. Yeah. Right, right. But for the most part, that running back dead zone, that like three to five to round six range, which has historically been a terrible place to select running backs, did not yield good results. Typically, if you were taking running backs in there, you were often taking more than just one running back. So like if you happen to hit on David Montgomery, that that probably wasn't enough for you. So and then, yeah, you've got guys like Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs and dudes whose ADPs were pushed way, way up above where they should have been. And you also didn't mention Miles Gaskin. It was another gigantic hit. So there was just like, there everything kind of broke. And there were loads. There were loads of one week fill in style guys yep. as well along along the road. You know, your your Duke Johnsons, uh, your I, I guess, and there were failure examples to Devontae Booker and whatever. But there were there were lots of fill in running backs along the way. 
Yeah, and I think you have a multi-year narrative heading into this season about alpha wide receiver scoring being trending down, perhaps even a thing of the past in this NFL uh, modern offense, spreading the ball around. We're not going to see wide receiver scoring condense. Of course, we did have Adams with like the best fantasy wide receiver season, like, I don't know, two decades. And so that's taken a hit. Uh, And yeah, that 2019 season, I think, was just so massive because the ADP in 2019 was way out of hand. Running backs were getting drafted way, way too early in 2019, but it actually worked out. And so it sent the exact wrong. Yeah, they they hit the four outer on the river, but didn't realize it was a four outer. Exactly. So I don't, I just am very skeptical that we're going to get the same ADP set up, but the lessons that we should take about, you know, which position is more valuable and what we should be trying to load up on in our drafts is, is very much wide receiver. It's just, there were multi-year narratives working in our favor as wide receiver drafters this year. And it may take a couple years for, for those narratives to build back up. So Pete, I, I think one of the key things that our, our friend is, is driving at here is there is no FFPC grinder for net and Le'Veon Bell this year where these would have been guys we would not have drafted in the 10th round, right? But they were going in in the third round with regularity in leagues where serious money was being bandied about. As of right now, I do not see you know, analogous players to that. Like I don't see total zeros going in the third round in 2021 drafts. Well, I mean, I don't know. A lot changes between now and draft season with free agency and, and which, you know, injuries, all that stuff. We had a lot of things, you know, random Damian Williams opt outs that paved the way for some of that stuff. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable saying we won't see situations like that, but I think what I've been thinking about is this idea of the data clearly shows what a smash zero RB was. I think we will see a small correction, but people can use those narratives to double down on the same things they did before, which is you still need a Derrick Henry, you know, to win your league. So I'm, I'm willing to whiff on running backs on multiple drafts. If it means I do hit the unicorn in one of my drafts. And I think people are going to continue to say, look at all these rookie wide receiver breakouts. Wide receiver is so deep. I, I can take a wide receiver in the 13th round and get a starter. Yeah. So I think that circular logic is going to work in our benefit and make zero RB an advantageous strategy again. But I, I just think necessarily we have to see some bit of correction. I will say I will be taking the big dog where he goes next year. <laughs> I will. I, correction. I, I, You're I want, finally I, in. I mean, two seasons. yeah, it's just like, well, the, the thing, the thing with him was just, he never really caught passes. We've seen a very small correction there, like going from like 15 targets a year to like 30 targets a year. Maybe. I mean, if you projected Derrick Henry for 280 carries and 50 targets next season, Pat, he would be the number one scorer. He would be your number one projected scorer at that level. Yeah. And the thing that Derrick Henry has had working in his favor is that the team is just committed to total organizational buy-in. Yeah. 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 So that is something that he has that almost no other running backs have. I mean, you, you look where like Jonathan Taylor's projected to go you know, people are talking about him like he's locked in as a top five pick in FFPC. And he already, they already, the FFPC, they did like one like super early draft or whatever, like for a promo tweet and he went third. Yeah, exactly. 
the te- like think about a team that's like less committed to getting their guy, you know, 20 touches. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is an excellent talent, but that's absurd. Like you're, yeah, you're, they're giving Trey Burton goal line carries. Yeah. It's a committee running back. Yeah. They're J- Jacoby Brissett stealing goal line <laughs> carries. It's, it's, you know, so I do think there will be opportunities to, to move in other directions um, and overpriced guys as always you say there's no Leonard Fournette. I mean, you want kind of a, a veteran running back on the last year of his deal. I think Melvin Gordon uh, has something to say about Oh, Melvin Gordon. Up. Yeah. But he'll go in the fourth round though, because, because I, okay. Assuming that Denver does not trade up for like, you know, Zach Wilson or sign who's the, who by your estimation, Pat, who is the best free agent quarterback. There are a lot of them. There are like 15 good ones. Um, but assuming I'm they don't worried. have, Assuming they don't have like a B plus quarterback and their situation is Drew Locke adjacent, I don't think people will go crazy for him, even if Philip Lindsay leaves in restricted free agency, which he is expected to. Uh, the team is not expected to sign him to a longer deal. What if? Yeah, I still what if, think he's a nice fade, David Johnson. What if? As well. What if the twenty twenty one Leonard Fournette is Leonard Fournette? <laughs> <laughs> like well, that's what definitely if? True. Like, what if he stays there and, and Arians is like, Fournette's our guy? Like, like let's say Fournette has a big game at some point in the playoffs, like 150 yards and a long touchdown run or something, and Arians is like, oh, yeah, this is our guy. Yeah. Well, one thing, I, think about that. one thing I've been thinking about, too, and it just kind of illustrates how hilarious it is in our general overconfidence in projecting running backs over the course of a season is think about the fragility – of the projections just for DFS. When we are trying to guess a game script for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in a one game sample, and then we're making stands in season long that we are this sure that one of them is five rounds better than than the the other. other. And we can't even identify it in one game because we're bad at projecting game script. I think that overconfidence just continues to provide an edge with waiting to draft these guys. And then on the the flip side of that is like as difficult it is as it is to project which running back to play in a given week, it's like five times more difficult to project which wide receiver to play once you get outside of the elite options of wide receiver. So yeah. when you're talking yourself into, or if you know if you're talking yourself into the idea that you can grab wide receivers later because wide receiver is deep, it's kind of like the argument we always get about running back, like oh which wide receiver are you going to play? Well, it actually is a problem when you have like four okay wide receiver options you can you'll start to take some zeros. i mean you'll get it you'll get it wrong every week if you yeah. it, like if you have let's let's not even say four let's say you go full ffpc grinder full mr x and you draft you you, you wait to draft wide receivers until you know later in your drafts because this is what people always say like i already can tell you right now uh Cole Beasley is going to be a huge false flag. He's going to be a huge false flag opera or a bad faith argument from, uh, from the zero wide receiver drafters are going to be like, Oh, look, you just draft Cole Beasley. First off, I play in a lot of fantasy football leagues. All right. I didn't play against Cole Beasley started anywhere that I can remember. I don't think anyone had any weekly confidence in starting Beasley who ended up being, I think the wide receiver 22 in PPR. And so you can say all of these things. Like you can be like, Oh, you know, I'll grab. I mean, even, even let's even say Justin Jefferson, let's say you drafted Justin Jefferson in the 14th round. Well, you didn't start him. Uh, any that of the would first... be nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
rest in peace, Jalen Rager. I hope, I hope yeah. you, I hope you find hey, Pearson's gone. Portland. I'm doubling down. <laughs> no, Pat's Same. already in the DMs. I'm all in on Rager this year. I already <laughs> I did I, not say that. Yes, you did. Pete, you I, or, I, Pat, I already made a bet with a friend. Rager versus Justin Jefferson, all 17 weeks of the 2021 regular season. When, and J, and Justin Jer, or Rager gets a 40-yard head start in every single game. So every game that Rager gets wow. within 40 yards of Justin Jefferson, I win $25 and then vice versa the other way around. It's like points bet where it just it could be an escalator. Yeah. You have the Rager side? Yeah, obviously. Come on. Yeah. Pat's like, can I buy a piece of that bet? <laughs> yeah, I want to buy a piece. <laughs> um, so – that I mean, that obviously is kind of the core of the argument is that like uh, our, our guy, Matthew Barry, I mean, it really is like the, the tritest thing ever, but it's so true. It's a weekly game and starting Cole Beasley, Russell Gage, uh, even even the tertiary Panthers wide receivers, even the even Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel became a pin the tail on the donkey over the yeah. second half of the season. Right. Um, Chiefs wide receivers. uh, uh Bucks. I mean, literally, even the Buccaneers wide receivers, other than Mike Evans, like Godwin and Antonio Brown, traded weeks. Like, there is so much value in just being like, I will be starting Tyreek Hill, I will be starting Devonte Adams, and I will be starting Calvin Ridley, and that will be uh, who I am starting against you on a weekly basis. Yeah, and even in this year, you go back and look at the drafts, and it's like, you know, Cortland Sutton and like all these dudes who washed out in the early rounds at wide receiver. There's still you're still like in a perfect setup, you're still going to whiff at wide receiver in those early selections. And so this is the whole point. This is why we try to load up at wide receiver while the getting's good, because you're still going to miss. You're still going to have busts. You're still going to have injuries. And what? it only gets harder and harder once you move down in the talent level. I mean, I was extremely tilted having a ton of Christian Kirk as my sixth and seventh wide receiver in drafts. I can't imagine the tilt if he was your first wide receiver yeah. or, sec- or second for a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys who we are drafting against Christian Kirk, they started every week for 10 weeks until they didn't make the playoffs because that was how they structured their team. Yeah. Yeah. So another, I, I guess, you know, another element of that is, tight end scoring died like to say to say that tight end scoring was bad is an understatement it was kelsey it was waller gap tj hawkinson gap mark andrews when he was healthy and then i mean literally there there was is it like it was it was just streaming after that um because i i believe the last i looked there were eight guys averaging over 10 ppr points a game and then you know obviously in the ffpc tight end premium format it becomes a little bit more valuable but you know it's just going to be a matter of time before we talk we're talking ourselves into irv smith jr in the seventh round right uh like you it seems like the lesson is never learned with the young interesting tight ends pat it's it's never learned we're going to talk ourselves back into them again for sure uh, I feel like this year was probably the, the most bullish the market's been on tight end in a long time. And it was like the worst year for tight ends in a series of years that, that have been disgusting. I mean, just think about when Zach Ertz is out of Philly, Dallas Goddard is going to be a big gonna, He's going to go guy. in the third round. He's going to go where Mark Andrews went. I don't know if he'll get that high, but he's going to, yeah, he's going to be really, really popular. And I think uh, your guy's boy, Mike Gusecki is going to get a lot of love. Like, there's, there's a lot Ends of up. guys, Robert Tanyan. 
I think Cole Komet will get overdrafted in FF. Oh, no. Is Cole Komet going to go in, like, the eighth round? Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, like, get ready for that. It's going to be, like, Logan Thomas in, like, the fifth round. Like, it's going to be – people is, are going to draft these guys. Is Logan Thomas the Leonard Fournette of tight end picks next yeah, year, Pete? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, he people are gonna love love LT and man and LT is probably a great illustration of the guy you love getting for free for the free. first year and the guy you do not want to pay you know a seventh eighth round or whatever it's gonna end up being. What's uh, the pricing. what's the cheapest you would sell Logan Thomas for in Dynasty Pat? Because he's a guy I actually did pick up a bunch last off season, but I I shipped him off in most after because he had. I think like 30 targets through four games or something. So I sold him off a bunch, but I, I probably still have him hanging around one or two. I had a lead. This trade didn't end up working out very well because the guys ended up finishing comparably, but I had, I had to cut down a roster spot and I traded Josh Allen and Evan Ingram for Kyler Murray before the season. And so if I could do something like that, just kind of upgrade my quarterback with Logan Thomas, I would, I would try to do that. Yeah. Even though that, even though that was a very cheap price to sell Evan Ingram at. Yeah. So where, where do we take Kelsey in FFPC next year? Is Kelsey, is, does he go like three? Does he go after McCaffrey and uh, Dalvin? I think depending on how the running back crop shapes up, I still think he will be in the tier after the agreed upon locked and loaded bell cows. However big that ends up being. And don't you think Adams goes ahead? No, I think Kelsey goes ahead of Adams. Really? In in FFPC now, an underdog Adams will go like five. I mean, Adams' season this year was better than what Thomas did the year before. Granted, Kelsey was also coming I mean, but, off an awesome season. But, but the difference between wide receiver one and two, and the difference between tight end one and two, like Kelsey, like gave you like an extra five points a week. Seriously. But to that point too, Pat, is Michael Thomas was coming off of that season and people were still finding ways to draft Miles Sanders and Joe Mixon over him. Yeah, no, I'm not saying anything about the running backs, just the the (laughs) tight end and wide receiver. Yeah, The running backs will still go too high. I think think Kelsey's ceiling, as far as being drafted, is still capped after the bell cows. I think people will say, I want that anchor more than betting on Kelsey being able to replicate what he did the year before. Yeah, and, and I there think are go after some of the fake bell cows. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple college running backs who look like they could go in the first round of the NFL draft or second round of the NFL draft to good to teams that will use them. Uh, Najee Harrison, um, Travis Etienne, and depending on where those guys go, like if you know, like if if Etienne gets drafted by. Um, the chargers or something. I don't know. Like just kind of, they probably won't do that, but there are, there are good teams that could draft these guys and the, you know, the top 40 picks or whatever. So that yeah. that's going to have a big impact. Cause one of them, one of them will get the Josh where, you know, Josh Jacobs ended up going uh, like the third round, his rookie year, Jonathan it, Taylor was pretty high last year. Yeah. It's interesting too. I guess you would need, you need kind of the perfect storm of the prospect and, a really good landing spot because CH even after the Damian Williams stuff, I mean, he was getting pushed up into the back end of the first round, but he was, or did I he took, up? I took, I took CH in the first round of a main event last year. No, I know, but I'm saying, did he ever crack like the top three or four picks, you know, no. over C-Mac Barkley? I, I think if you blinked, he did, but, but he yeah, basically like a, the one Oh six type of range. 
Yeah. It was as high as he got. Where, where, yeah, where do you take – I mean, Bar- Barkley's going to have the same quarterback, the same, you know, dumbass head coach. Like, it's just – it's going to be the exact same situation, um, you know, and he should theoretically be fully recovered from his injury. Where does, where does Barkley go, Pete? I think he's probably a, a mid-first – um and if the reports on his recovery and, are and stuff are good i mean he's probably right yeah. back in there he's probably in the zeke spot this year yes. i think is probably where yeah do we get a discount on cowboys players because of how bad they looked with Dak hurt last year or does the market go the other way where they all get pushed up because of how good they looked through four and a half games like our is cooper gonna be second round cd fifth round gallop ninth round like stuff like that i think if you're drafting early take your cowboys because by september you know the weekend before the season starts the hype is gonna be big full yeah and we'll probably even have preseason games this upcoming year i bet Mm -hmm. here's a question for you guys i feel like you know, we prioritize stacking this year more than any other year in season-long stuff. And, you know, you were reaping the rewards of it uh, in a lot of aspects. You know, Kyler to Nuke. We had the Dak double stack before he went down. If you had Russ. Josh and Diggs. With Metcalf. Yeah. Josh with Diggs. Yeah, even um, even uh, Herbert, if you picked him up, I guess that wouldn't have been stacking um, in the draft. We had, but, that. We had Allen and, and Eckler and Herbert. Yep. Right. So do you guys think that this becomes uh, a strategy that's discussed and pushed more? Uh, Because even talking to guys we respect a ton, like Sean Siegel, uh, just not really something he wanted to prioritize. It'll never be mainstream. It's too much of a DFS mindset thing. Like you'll, you'll never see you like, it'll never make its way to uh, like true mainstream. Like it'll, it'll never be on the ESPN fantasy football podcast. It'll never be like, it'll, it'll just, it'll just never be a thing. It, it's also one of those things that's harder to mathematically parse out because it's, it's more about its impact on your team. The final three weeks, like that's the, that's the biggest thing that we're looking for. But then also, um, I mean, the way it benefits you is, that when it's right, those guys beat their ADP together, right? Yeah. So when when Josh and Diggs are both doing really well, not only is it that you're getting both of those points, but it's that, oh, I just locked up two picks that are crushing their ADP. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that's a little bit harder to, like, mathematically explain. Like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a little intuitive in terms of the, of the stacking stuff. Yeah, and you see it too. I mean, I, I do think playing other a bunch of different formats helps you kind of see a specific format from a different lens and like i i saw that if you go look at your best best ball teams uh please don't arrest me here uh you know you will see those double stacks you know you will see that because you made a bet on this offense it you know uh performed above expectation relative to adp and then you reap the rewards and it's the same thing we talk about in dfs you have to get less things right you don't have to be a genius who picks every individual play in a vacuum perfectly. You just make a bet on an entire offense. Yeah, and the thing that jumped out to me after doing it a fair amount this year is that like when I was doing my best ball drafts and, and stuff, you're going like, ah, crap, I can't stack the Chiefs because I can't get Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey. Maybe I can just single stack Mahomes or I set up this stack and then someone sniped the quarterback, I'm screwed. You're not. It's not really, you don't have to get 
the quarterback necessarily. You don't have to get the quarterback, especially when it's Lamar. It's going to be Josh Allen's going to go very high this year. Um, You know, Mahomes going to go very high. Like you can stack teammates without the quarterback. Obviously where it becomes very important is with cheap quarterbacks. Right. Right. So if it's, if it's Derek Carr or whatever, because uh, you know, if they are going to blow up, it's good. It's definitely going to happen in a correlated way, but yeah, you're hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So that, that's something that I want to keep in mind more just kind of a lesson learned. Like if you had had Kelsey and Tyreek and just stacked them every chance you got and didn't worry about Mahomes, that was a total smash. And um, as you look at, uh, as you look at running backs, I think that's another thing I want to put more emphasis on of like, if I'm betting on this team, stacking the running backs with the pass catchers makes sense, especially I think in FFPC or it could work just as well in best ball, but like you're, you're betting on a team. Like this is a season where, if you invested in the chargers, if you invested in the bills, like that, those were great bets and you're, you're just putting chips down on teams. And I don't think people uh, think of stacking quite that way, but I think uh, that's essentially what you're doing. Here's another question for you guys. Um, as it pertains to kind of zero RB dead zone stuff. I mentioned the Jonathan Taylor example earlier we saw some of these late breakouts from these rookies, you know, Akers, mm-hmm. Dobbins, to lesser extents, to, you know, some league winners in the case of Jonathan Taylor, some just getting you there. How do you think about making exceptions for some of these guys, knowing you probably might not get production for 12 weeks even, but they could be the piece you need to win $500,000 during the stretch run? How do you factor that into your draft strategy if your goal isn't just to win your league, but to be live for 500 k well, I was always more of an RB drafter in those spots than you guys. Never with David Johnson, never with David Montgomery. But you guys remember I was really high on Cam Akers. Um, I drafted a lot of Jonathan Taylor in the drafters best ball championship because his ADP was around lower there than it was on underdog. Because rookie running backs, I mean, this is literally true going back like 30 years of fantasy football. Like some rookie running back just always rips off in the second half of the year. You know, and it it basically doesn't matter why. Starter gets hurt ahead of him. Quarterback, it just just always happens. Um, So I I think I'm pretty fine with that strategy continuing. Um, And in a weird way, Dobbins was the one I was most confident in, and it never happened with him. Like, he had some good games at the end of the season, and they stopped playing Mark Ingram, but it never really happened with him because of Gus Edwards. But I am imagining that I will be doing the same thing next year with ETN, with Najee Harris, uh, with Javante Williams, who's the the guy from North Carolina. And, I mean, an, another thing is that there should be – two offenses next year that get the Burrowian effect where they go from being basically fantasy Siberia to where like there will only be one or two fantasy starters from those teams to potentially four to five guys that you want to roster with Jacksonville and New York with Lawrence and Fields being drafted. And that's a huge alteration to the fantasy football ecosystem. Not to mention what if Zach Wilson is good? What if Trey Lance is good? Because then we're talking about, a quarter of the league having competent quarterback play where they were starting Mike Glennon the year before. Like, I think that potentially has a huge impact, Pat. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I, I think I'm a little bit nervous about what happens at Jacksonville since it's urban Meyer and, and people say they're going to use, uh, they're going to use our boy Visca like 
like a gadget player, but <laughs> you know, for the most part, these he, he coached Curtis Samuel, bro. He coached Curtis Samuel. Yeah, and he used him as a running back. Yep. <laughs> I mean, look, dude, getting Visca 150 touches, I don't care how it happens. Just get it done, Mervin. Yeah, they ha- I mean, uh, I need to make a new LaVisca highlight reel. I was uh, going through some of the clips I had saved. I'd never gotten around for it. I need the the full updated 2020 LaVisca highlight reel. I mean, there's some gems in there. Yeah, but the point you're making about running backs, Davis, I think is really the rookie running backs is, is a good one. Like looking back at the FFPC teams that really did well this year, they're still like a bunch of landmines in your drafts. You know, you, you ended up taking, you do not just... have to draft perfect. That is, that is a at great all. thing. That is a great thing to say right now yep. that all of us will fucking forget in six months. And when 100%. we're, when we're doing ship chasing every Wednesday night, we'll be like, you've got to nail this 18th round pick. If we don't get a good price on this 18th round pick, the draft is ruined. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I know and I like... keep, I was just going to say, I keep always making the analogies to DFS, but you talk about, Imagine if you were playing a 12-man DFS league for uh, a slate. Like, how many things do you have to get right? Like, you hit the one guy who goes off, you know, you win, right? Like, yeah, in a 12-man. Yeah. Obviously, in these 10,000-person fields, we have to get a lot of stuff right. Think of it, We're playing in a 12-man field to win these leagues. You really only have to get one. You hit Justin Jefferson late, you're probably winning your league. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great point because the – range of outcomes of most picks is or, or most starts on a given week is that they're going to do fine. Like most guys will just do fine. They'll get close to their projection, but having the dude who gets 35 tends to be a week winner. And, you know, I, I really learned that lesson with the main event team that I did with Reeves and Thorman and Silva. We drafted three good players. We drafted Derek Henry. We drafted Russell Wilson and we drafted DK Metcalf, and those guys were were all of our points. We we also drafted Austin Eckler, who didn't play for huge chunks of the season. We got him back for the playoffs. Um, we drafted Logan Thomas, but cut him. So we were starting guys like Tyler Eifert and Irv Smith Jr. at tight end for huge chunks of the year. But because for the first eight weeks of the season, you know, Russ was 28 points a game. Metcalf was like 20 points a game. Then Henry picked it up when those guys kind of leveled off, like really just having, having one or two unicorns in a given game just totally changes the weekly complexion. hundred percent. And that's like why we keep talking about this, like running back dead zone idea and stuff. It's like Todd Gurley at one point was just running so pure. He's falling into the end zone constantly. And he's still like not doing anything for you because he doesn't provide <laughs> anything he on the literally fell the into the end zone on accident yeah exactly <laughs> and he's still like a disaster like when that was happening he was a disaster and then he gets phased out of the offense and it just you know finishes up killing your team but it's like you're what is it a best case scenario look like for these guys you can you know based based on the historical trends with rookie running backs see that like all right if i have to just kind of figure it out for five six seven weeks and then i get you know, 25 point games from these dudes, that's a lot better than just kind of chugging along at 14 points per game. That does nothing for you. Like we had a team where we started Naheem Hines week one and it's like, hell yeah. Like we, we just crushed. Like you don't have to even, you know, those teams where you're like, wow, you really literally do not have any running backs to play week one. 
they often like outscore the teams where, you, where yeah. you're supposed to be awesome at running back. Cause we don't know as much as we think heading into week one with the running backs. And uh, you, you don't want to just like, a great take point. that safety. And, you all, yeah. the, the guaranteed touches, bro. They're real. Don't they're not the guaranteed. They're, <laughs> they are not guaranteed, man. They're yeah. not even guaranteed for the first week. Like guys were taking Matt Breida and stuff. Cause he had that, like, you know, we knew what his role was going to be until we didn't immediately, you know, he died for our Gaskins, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Howard. I mean, come on. Oh, Jordan Howard. Yeah. Where, that's a good question. Where does Miles Gaskin, assuming they don't draft Najee or ETN, where does Miles Gaskin go next year? Is he is, is Miles Gaskin with Tua a second round pick? Third round, I think. You know, we love Miles, but I don't I don't think I can uh, I don't think I can co-sign that. All right. The last thing that I wanted to cover here. I'm saying that's where I think he goes for the record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and, and where real quick on that note, where where does James Robinson go? Oh, if if they let's say they add like a running back after the they'll fourth. add well, they'll add one vet. Yeah. They'll add they'll add the equivalent of Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, one twelve, whomever. Seriously? Are you if they add if they add me? Matt Breida, one twelve. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. If that's <laughs> oh all that they add. God. <laughs> okay i i lied i lied about zeros not being gone off the board that early <laughs> that can't possibly be true it's I think right if, I, i'm, no, I'm I very mean, confident they could they could draft if they draft someone with more like obviously takes a hit but i agree if they add no one but do what the dolphins did last year and just like get a howard Breida kind of thing he'll probably he'll probably go there Josh Jacobs went 112. He's much better. Like he's locked into a receiving role at least. Yeah. I might be, I might be a little bit light. On that. <laughs> that is blow. And, and he'll have the new quarterback, right? They, they'll have Trevor. Yeah. So people will be able to say, yeah, new, new coach. Urban likes to run the ball, you know, all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's really incredible. That's really incredible for a guy who's like 50, 50 to be on an NFL roster in two years. Hey, yeah, real quick. How insane is the NFL like news infrastructure where there's like Zapruder films of, <laughs> of him Urban getting Meyer, off a plane, like getting off a plane. I'm like, I was like, is this the, you know, the leader of the free world or is it a guy who's going to coast the Jags next year? Like what's <laughs> there's, going on? There's a pandemic going on outside and you're on an airport, you're on an airport roof taking pictures on your cell phone of Urban Meyer. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, uh, okay. Rookie wide receivers. How early does Justin Jefferson go, Pete? And would you take him there? Man, um, I assume he is going to be like an early third, late second pick. Okay. CD. Hang on, Pat, Pat, Pat oh, was yeah. making facial expressions. Do you agree with that estimation? I think he doesn't make it out of the second. I think mid to the end of the second. Yeah, I gotta say it's pretty justified to be honest. Yeah, like it that seems legit to me. Uh, Pat, CD, how early is it justified? I think he's justified in the third. And but I but I bet he goes in like the fourth though because Amari will still go ahead of him. Don't you think? I, I think you're right. I think I think Amari still will go ahead of him. I I think he goes in the fourth, and I think maybe he gets to that four or five turn in some drafts where. You're just so excited to draft him. Well, the, actually, and I could, because last year, two of the big guys that you could get at like the three, four turn would be the Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown. 
do people view CD coming off of this season similarly to how they viewed those two coming into last year? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Very interesting one, in my opinion here. R- what happens with Ruggs? Is Ruggs like an 18th round dart throw, considering his volume and, and whatnot? Because I think they have to – Nelson Aguilar is an unrestricted free agent, so to keep him, they, they'll have to pay him because he would have earned – he would have earned himself a pretty big paycheck after what he did this year. I think. I don't think he would be that 18th round. That feels more to me like a 11th, 12th round guy. Me too. I think he falls more in that like Paris Campbell, Nikhil Harry type of range. Yeah. He will probably end up being the, a trendy sleeper guy. Well, I will, I will unfortunately be throwing, uh, you know, the fantasy labs gift from uh, this fairly odd parents of shoveling money into the fire. That'll be me. I mean, that'll be me with him. If he didn't just get cucked so hard by Nelson Aguilar, he probably would have had a pretty decent season. Yeah, but dude, what? you can't just take that out. It's like you, taking out. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah but like other a, than the 90-yard touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> other than the dude the Eagles gave up on <laughs> cucking him all season he could have been great like, literally all season like there was not like a like every rugs thing you'd be like well actually it was all a big play there was never like an 11 target game there was never a time yeah. where they needed to win the game and they were like we gotta get we gotta get rugs the ball like it never happened not once there wasn't even enough like screen passes or nope. like... he had like two two end arounds all year yeah they didn't even like plan to get him the ball it was really disappointing uh, all, right. all right, Michael Pittman Jr. T.Y. Hilton will be 32. Pretty, pretty dusty already for Mr. Hilton. Uh, and to and unfortunately, I actually think that playoff game pushed him up like literally a round or two, honestly, because he looked so good in that so playoff game. Pittman, Pittman will be this year's version of Deontay Johnson slash Darius. Oh man, I can't yes. draft him in like the eighth round though. Like, I can't think- do it. I think he could even creep up, yeah, into that six, seven round range. And he's going to be one of those guys who's like, great, you took Justin Jefferson around too while I loaded up at running back. And now I got Michael Pittman. So I'm going to win the league. He's going to be that guy. Let's do it. Denzel Mims. Where's he going? <laughs> Denzel Mims with Justin Fields. Uh, and and uh, is what, what's Crowder's contract status? Jamison Crowder, Spotrack. And I think Perryman was only a one-year deal, right? Perryman was a one-year deal, yeah. So Perryman, they could they could draft a wide receiver. They could draft field. They could draft Chris Olave or whatever. Um, Crowder, they they can get out of Crowder's contract. Well, no, he's got a lot of dead cap. Crowder will be on the team for sure. Crowder okay. has a, a ten million dollar cap hit. In oh no, they can get out for a 1 million dead cap after this season. So Crowder may not be there if they don't want him. They do probably want him, but he can play. Yeah. I bet Mims is like in the eighth round. He's a fourth rounder in my heart. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he'll lead the NFL in air yards probably. (laughs) Uh, Judy, Judy, assuming a, a, a baseline quarterback upgrade. So like not drew Locke, but also, you know, not uh, Patrick Mahomes, like some kind of quarterback upgrade, but not a huge one. 
Pittman range, right? Yeah, yeah eighth, I think so. eighth, ninth round, something like that. What about Hamler? What about Hamler? Is Hamler the dart you throw because he goes in the fifteenth round? Yeah, big time. Yes. Yeah, Hamler and will be late. Tim Patrick, I believe, was in the last year of his UDFA contract, and I would imagine he's another guy who made himself some money this year. Like he seems like a good guy for the Raiders to give fifteen million guaranteed to, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does does sound about right. Here's one for you that's fun for FFPC scoring. Where does Cole Komet go? Who I can't untakeable, I think, with because Mitch is gonna be the quarterback. Like higher than Hawkinson and Gasecki this year? Yes. No. No. Same same range. The Hawkinson Gasicki Fant range from this year. Yeah, I think I think so. I think he doesn't see round ten. He'll get he'll get snapped up at the end of round nine. Maybe he does see round mid round ten. But the FFPC, it's like everyone with a pulse has gone by the end of round ten. Yeah. So I mean, we just... took Christopher Herndon, I think, in like round eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it was round Pat- ten. <laughs> Patrick Tim Patrick is a restricted free agent, so I would project him nope. to be gone from the Broncos because I don't think they. I mean, they'll have they'll have Sutton, Judy, Fant, Hamler and alberto i don't think they they want to pay tim patrick very much money okay brandon Ayuk. i think he will be i think he will go higher than cd i think he will be because dude the market loves these gadget 49ers wide receivers debo was injured was on the ir and was going in the seventh round like literally was not practicing and people were like nope you gotta do it you gotta jam it like so i think I think IU could go in the fifth round. I do. Do you think he goes ahead of Debo? Yeah, easy. Yeah. I think he goes yeah. ahead of Debo. He goes ahead I, of Debo. I definitely do. Yeah. Debo's going to be a nice value then. Yeah. Where Debo, did Debo start? High, very high. But he was he was injured so much of drafting season. I feel like. Let me see. Yeah, where's the remember. Where's the best place to get an ADP graph? Uh, Rodovis has got that. Um, Debo and so, our first main event. Oh, that must have been post injury. He went ninth, but he crept back up over the course of over the course of time. Like I remember, I remember, I did. I just remember being so struck by it. I was. I at one point I did an underdog draft uh, in the twenty five where Debo went ahead of Stefan Diggs. Hmm. Yeah, I think maybe he was in that Marquise Brown range. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our boy. Where does LaVisca? Wait, with, with, with Ayuk, are you, is that a fade for you? Because I'm pretty excited about no, Ayuk. No, 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 not a fade. Okay. But I, I'm saying it's rich, but like it seems fun. I mean, especially because um, I just think like Shanahan is a very good play caller. Like I want to draft his his pass catchers, Debo and, and Ayuk yeah. and Kittle and – uh, not the running backs because it just devolves into a shit show after like literally six minutes every year. Davis, when you do your tweet this year of like come out of every draft with one of these three yeah. guys, like you did this, what was it this year? Diggs Brown. And it was, uh, it was, well, it was Gallup. It was Fuller and it was Marquise Brown. So okay. not, I mean, it was fine. It would have been a lot better if Diggs was in that group. There's people that make careers on Twitter with a worse hit rate than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gallup, Gallup would have gotten there one yeah. gadrillion yeah, he percent. He basically yeah. did get there down the stretch. Yeah. He was like leading them in those big Dalton games. Mm-hmm. 
But I think I think Ayuk's going to be on that list for you. He's going to be in that range and also just well, has huge upside. Marquise Brown will probably be on that list again because he's not going to get drafted high. I I think the 49ers line up as one of those teams to to go all in on similar to the Bills this year, where you get yeah. Kittle at a slight discount, you grab Ayuk and you grab Debo. Um, maybe you get one of the running backs late. Um, I think they're they're a team you want to invest in. I like Jeff Wilson, man. That when he gets a chance, he can he can do it. I, but he, I don't he think won't, he'll get it'll be, it'll be it'll be back to most hurt again. I I agree, but you know, anytime he's banged up, Jeff well, Wilson's gonna roll. And the 49ers are like the new New England Patriots in that just draft the cheapest one and you're yeah. you're probably doing the right thing. Yeah. The projections won't like it, but I I'm into that. Yeah, but I, I think that's a great call. The the 49ers could be a team that just explodes. All right. T Higgins. Ooh. How early is it justified? AJ Green will not be on the team next year, almost certainly. He's like, I mean, to me, he's like a fourth round pick. He's where Terry McLaurin was going last year. Yeah. Terry McLaurin, DJ Shark, those types of dudes. Yeah, I think that sounds, I think that sounds about right. Huge, huge one here. Chase Claypool, where does he go? And do you prefer him where he will go over where Deontay is going to go, which is going to be very high? Deontay Johnson is going to go extremely high in drafts next year. Like how high? How high, Davis? Like where Juju went plus half a round. (laughs) So So you're saying like early third, yeah. Yeah, because Juju will be gone. Juju will be a a Jet or a Dolphin or something. So Claypool probably goes... In the Sutton range, right? Like early fifth? I think no, because it like the the game log watching on him, he has he had so many air balls in the second half of the year. I think he's more back end of the sixth, seventh, as opposed to back end of the fourth, fifth. He's like a hundred percent exposure at that cost. Yeah, I he he will be my most owned player without a doubt. I know I this is this is obviously a very early guess, but people love Deontay so much that I think that will like negatively reflect on what they think of Claypool. And also big Ben is probably not going to be the quarterback next year. Like or I, I'd say 50, 50 it's, it's 50, 50 if he is back next year. And I don't know what the Pittsburgh Steelers plan at quarterback would be. Yeah. That'll have a big impact for sure. But yeah. Like if it's, if it's uh Mason Rudolph or something uh, or, or Andy Dalton, right? Like, cause they're just going to have to sign a free agent probably. Um, if Ben is Winston? not back, can they bring in Winston, please? Yeah, I mean, one year, one year uh, off, right? Uh, one year contract, so he can go from wherever. Uh, okay, next. Go- oh, yeah, Visca. Pete, where's Visca go? Visca will be a eighth or ninth rounder in that Pittman range, I think. And are, are we a hundred percent exposure again? I think so. I'll have so much, dude. I mean, look, he. <laughs> DJ shark was not an alpha outside of like three games. Like he, he started out the season with like a 25% target share. Um, and then in the first Glennon game, he had a really strong target share, but he was mostly like on par with Keelan Cole for most of the year. All I'm hearing from this exercise is there's basically going to be a rookie wide receiver, second year wide receiver in every single round that you just want to take. Well, yes, that that is kind of how it's setting up is what it seems like. Uh, okay, here's an interesting one. Gabe Davis. Where does Gabe Davis go? Because, well, okay, like Pat, 
you you vamp while I look up Cole Beasley's contract. Because well, John John Brown, you, you're gonna want to look that up because he's a pretty easy cut. And I think John Brown is the the guy that Davis would be replacing. My guess is they keep Cole Beasley around. Uh, Beasley is Beasley is Beasley is locked in for the next two okay. years with a, an, a seven and a half million dollar cap hit and no out. And I believe John Brown's on the last year of his deal and is a pretty easy cut. So the the move that would probably make the most sense is they do cut John Brown and have Davis take over that role. I think that would generate some excitement. No, John Brown has a nine and a half million dollar cap hit, but really? only one only one point six million in dead cap if oh, he okay. were cut. Yeah. So he saves like eight million to cut. Yeah, because they paid they paid ten million in dead cap this year to get ahead next year. Yeah. Yeah. So he cap savings cut. is is seven point nine million. So yeah, they could pretty easily move on if that happens, which I think it probably will. Then I don't know. I think the latest he would probably go is like round ten. That's where you saw like Emmanuel Sanders, Sterling Shepard, those types of dudes. Uh, I think maybe between like round seven and ten. Yeah. Um, Pete, do you have anything to add on, on Gabe Davis? No. Yeah. He, he's one that I do think is more fragile relative to the contract stuff, how uh, camp stuff shakes out. Like I feel like the variation on his ADP could be five rounds in either direction. Yeah. Cause yeah. another comp is maybe Curtis Samuel. Cause we didn't really expect Robbie Anderson to do that much. And mm-hmm. Samuel was available, you know, more in that. 13, 14, 15 round range. So, and Gabriel Davis could have a little Miko Hardman to him in that people are going to want exposure to the Chiefs or the Bills. They're going to get squeezed by a lot of the more expensive pieces. And Gabe Davis is that guy whose ADP just keeps inching up and up and up because people yeah. want to cover the board on Bills. That's a good point. Uh, and then we, we can end it here. I couldn't even trigger you with that Miko Hardman comp, Davis. No, because I, I can't I can't allow myself. Where does Hardman go? Let's assume Watkins is a back. Where does Hardman go? Does the market remain optimistic or are people just are they done? Are have people given up on Hardman? In Davis drafts or non-Davis drafts? In 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 drafts that I'm not in. Is he like a twelfth round pick? I think he go I think people might just kind of run it back where he was last year. Just like, well, well, if if Watkins leaves and they will draft someone or they will sign someone, I mean, they could sign Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is an unrestricted oh free God. agent. <laughs> that would be so filthy. <laughs> they probably wouldn't do it because that's not like it's not their style to give big contracts to skill position players. Um, they they like to spend money on defense, but you know whatever. It's kind of a good year for wide receivers and the free agent market. You had Chris Godwin, yep, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, there's like some huge names. Yeah, there is. Lots of things could get shaken up. All right, our last rookie wide receiver, Jalen Rager, outside wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. They probably can't afford to draft a wide receiver given how much they have spent at that position. The they they drafted uh, Quez Watkins, they drafted Rager, they drafted JJ Arthega. Whiteside, um, John Hightower, even with the fifth round pick, like they've spent a lot of draft picks on wide receivers. I don't, I don't know if they will be spending another one. Yeah, I think he'll be right around that round twelve to fourteen range, right where you saw Nikhil Harry. Yeah, I think he will start there, and then Pat will start writing 
glowing articles yeah. about him on ETR and he'll be a ninth rounder by a main For event sure. draft weekend. I'll, I'll get him there. And I, and I'll make sure to, to, to ramp up our exposure to him as his price increases. Yeah. Just, you know slowly. what? I'm going to make you listen to the pod you did with Leone about diversification on repeat throughout a uh, draft season. <laughs> there is something where I like, I need to go back and listen to my own content <laughs> by the time it's August. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, boys, shill, shill, ship chasing for us. Or tell, yeah, people might be listening to this on the ship chasing feed, so tell them the schedule. The schedule, yeah, we're we still uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling every Wednesday night, nine fifteen p.m. Eastern. Ben Gretsch has been joining us for most of those shows, and uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta regroup and figure out kind of what other stuff we're gonna be doing this off season. But uh, I'm sure we will be hitting it hard between best ball, combine, draft prospects, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be talking a little bit more, uh, you know, draft prospect dynasty-ish type of stuff here in the offseason. So I already I already am am just so freaking nervous, man, this class, because there's a chance we don't get the combine. Jamar Chase did not play. He is the consensus number one overall pick. I yeah, want Jamar but Chase. It, I Wait, know, did I it's... hear you, Davis? Who was saying it that you you made the case about Jamar Chase and you didn't realize he sat out the whole year. I was just looking at his market share stuff on Rotoviz and I didn't like my brain didn't even pick up that there were no 2020 numbers there. I was just looking at his stuff and I was like, That's Oh awesome. yeah, this is, I was like, this is all straightforward. Like literally, cause I don't really watch college football. Like I watched the big 12, but I, I did not watch a second of LSU this year. Yeah, you know? Yeah. You know what? No, I just I don't realized? really watch it either. Pat, we should do, um, and Davis, you're obviously invited. We should do a ship chasing best ball dynasty draft uh, this offseason with some, you know, uh, some listeners. You, you know, there's nothing I love more than Superflex <laughs> best ball dynasty drafts with tight end premium scoring. <laughs> Let's do it. But it will not be an auction. That's for, We're no. doing, Pat, we're doing another auction. Um, and I'm going to have, I'm going to do a novel thing. I'm going to try and win it instead of trying to lose it for the first five years this time. All right, cool. I'll just, uh, I'll just, beat you out in that like i beat you out in tanking pat over well, here hoarding his 2024 draft picks i will get my revenge <laughs> yeah. no, davis beat me out in tanking in the end he got the one-on-one yeah but you 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 out tanked me for 2022 though and That's i'll never true. let it go That's true. yeah all right everyone uh we will be back soon